0: Our Father and our God will bless you,
1: you are greatly to be praised and Father if we spend all our days praising you it won't be enough because Father all that is done in eternity is praising you and so Father if we spend time in time to praise you we've not done so much Father it's just a rehearsal and so we'll praise you, we we'll worship you We thank you for your goodness and for your greatness. We thank you for your love, for your care. Thank you for your tender messes. Thank you, Father, for watching over us. Daddy, we give praise to you. We exalt your holy name in the mighty name of Jesus. Blessed be the name of our Father. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Hallelujah. Last week, Pastor Viola brought us an awesome word, and... She tempts she that particular message that she brought to us, meeting the real man. And in that particular message, she brought certain, certain truth to us. In John chapter number 4, verse number 4, Jesus was moving all the way from Judea and he was moving to Galilee. To Samaria, sorry. No, he was moving to Galilee, but he needed to pass through Samaria. In John chapter number four, verse four, the Bible said he needed of necessity to pass through Samaria. And Pastor Biola started to tell us the impact of that particular passage. Now that the Samaritans are people that, as it were, you can tag good for nothing. You can tag them as people that are labeled, rejected. People that do not measure up to standard in any form, in any way, if you go to second King's verse seventeen, you read the story about how Samaria are a bunch of people that have mixed with pagan nations and pagan gods were brought to Israel and they started worshipping israel, they started worshipping strange gods in Samaria and therefore the Jewish people, the, the, core, the core Israelites that did not do that, will always see these ones as not good enough. They are not pure breeds. They are mixed up and they are muddled up. They are messed up. So they don't in any way want to associate with them. And Pastor Biola told us that pretty much there are people like that, and you don't want to you don't want to associate with them. They are labelled for whatever reason. They are stigmatised sometimes for faults that is not theirs. And nobody wants to go to them. But in that particular John chapter number 4, verse number 4, the Bible said Jesus of necessity decided to pass through that same place, to go to that same place where nobody wants to go. She told us that some things may be popular, but it doesn't mean that it's right. And she went as far as telling us that Jesus went to Samaria indicating to you the life of every child of God that that child of God must be led by God is not what you want. It's not what you desire, but if that is what the father would have you do in that case and in that instance, you don't have any choice. You have to do it. That was part of the things that Jesus was showing us in that particular life and she went along in that message and told us something that at a particular point, Jesus told the woman, give me a drink and when Jesus asked for that drink, she told us that for us, a lot of times we are thinking of the things that God will do for us. You bring a catalog of things when you come to the place of prayer, asking so many, so many things that are in your wish list that you desire that God of necessity will answer. But you never for one day would sit down and find out, Lord, what exactly do you want? And she went further to tell us that Jesus told that lady, I will give you a water. The lady did not know what Jesus wanted to give, but Jesus knew what exactly she needed and told the lady that the water that I'm going to give you would never dry. It is something that will continue to run forever. You see this particular one you're coming to pull and to draw, it is going to dry again and you're going to come over and over, but there's something that God will give to you that would never dry. And she went on to tell us, finally, that when somebody finds himself doing the will of God, there's one particular thing that would happen to that person. The person will reap where he or she has not sown. Praise the Lord. Just a brief summary. So, fantastic message. and we learn, I learned so much from that particular message. And that's the reason why I will build from that particular message today. Now, if you look at... That particular John chapter number four, verse number four. The Bible said, Jesus needed to pass through Samaria and I've given you what exactly Samaria represents. Ladies and gentlemen, my brothers and sisters, I've come to tell you partly that you should be careful how you treat the Samaritans. Praise the Lord. Be careful how you treat the Samaritans. The Bible tells us a story. That a certain man was going somewhere one day and he fell by the wayside. He fell before thieves. He fell and that felling was something that required somebody to help him. Now, sometimes in our lives, you don't know when you're going to fall. And now, because you don't know when you're going to fall, a lot of times you are absolutely, totally helpless about your fall. Now, sometimes it's the Samaritan that will pass by that would not would not go. The, 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 the Levi will pass. The, the, the priest will pass. But the Samaritan will be the one that will come before. The person that you do not think at least anything good can come from might be the one that will come. In the day that you will fall. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Now, now, this is not the message, but this is the things that I learned from that particular message that I'm trying to bring, bring to us. And there is a man the Bible calls Lazarus. And there's another man the Bible calls the rich man. The Bible didn't even give us the name of the man. But to depict how, how this man was, the Bible just called him a rich man. For me, Lazarus signifies that Samaritan, And so, because Lazarus did not measure up in any way. The Bible said Lazarus would be at that man's gate. And the man is there. He has saw. I see each time that rich man comes out from his house, if there is anything he will be feeling, he will be feeling that this nuisance is still here. He will wish that one day this nuisance would not be here. He will wish that one day he will come and he would not see this pauper, this beggar sitting just before my gate. But ladies and gentlemen what that man did not understand is that that man that he was seeing there was the portal that God has created for paradise for him. That if he knows that that man that was sitting there is the pathway, is the gateway that God has opened to him to paradise, he would have treated the man differently. See friends, a lot of times in life, the people that you treat rejected and and the people that you treat anyhow is the portal that God has created for you to get you out of mess. But you would never know because God would not right on your face it takes people that understand that the people that cross your way it doesn't matter their estate it doesn't matter how they are that you're bound to treat them well praise the lord praise the lord remember the story of naaman the bible said this man was a is a man of valor but the man had what the man had leprosy there was a Samaritan in her, in his house. It was called a slave girl. A slave is good for nothing. A slave is at your mercy. If you say slave died, the slave dies. If you say slave lives, the slave lives. So as it were, that lady was at the mercy of the captain of that Syria. And he never knew that the key, the doorway to heal his leprosy was a Samaritan in his house. Brothers, if he had treated that girl, if he was very wicked, himself and the wife. Do you know what the girl will be saying? In her heart. See in her head. Wicked man. You, not be only leprosy. May God even fire you with HIV and epilepsy. <laughs> That's what the girl will be saying in his heart. So that you will not just be called Nehman the uh, uh, leper. They will be calling you the epileptic leper. Because God has wired you both with epilepsy and leprosy. Why? Because of such a disposition towards a helpless but you see because the man treated that particular samaritan very well the bible said she would whisper and say oh if only my master will go to israel there is a prophet in israel be careful how you deal with the samaritan around you some of some of us will have house helps they can't eat in your dining table how can it how how on heaven's earth would your house get sheer dining table with you you know you're too big you understand you're too big they can't come close how can your driver step into your parlor it's it's, it's, is he is he insane doesn't he know that that is your parlor that you be careful how you treat the samaritan friends i want you to understand that jesus christ the king of kings and the lords of of the ends of the earth even though he was the very god he co-descended from heaven and he took the form of man to become just like you he left everything so who are you that even somebody cannot stand before your dining table or eats before your dining what do you have that is not given to you what exactly do you have the king of kings left the glory and came down you don't understand what that means you see when you see dogs you see dogs when you see goats you see goats but you imagine that a man takes comes down from this glorious nature that god has given to him and could descends to be like a goat or like a dog it's even no comparison to what the master did for you and so now you're so big you've forgotten where he took you from and now nobody can even be careful how you treat the Samaritan. And I want to say something to you here, brothers. I want to say something to you here because you might be here indeed. Your picture is the picture of that Samaritan. That you have become a reject, you have become a scum, you have become one that nobody wants to associate with. You have become one that when you pick your phone and you call your friend, your friend doesn't want to pick your call again because he knows that each time you call, it is begging. Maybe you're the type that when you come, you ring at the bed, they peep from the window, and when they say it's you, say, go and tell him, I am no, I'm not at home. Maybe you're the one nobody wants to associate with you because everything that is around you has become something that nobody wants to. Even identify with. I have I have a message for you. The Bible tells us in Acts chapter number four, verse number, let's go to that place. Acts chapter number four, verse number 13. Let's leave this piece of scripture. I'm taking all of these from that last week's message before we get into this this week's flow. Praise the Lord. It said now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John. And perceived that they were uneducated; they were untrained men. They marvelled and they realised that they had been with Jesus. I don't know what your problem is. I don't know what your situation is. But, uh, ladies and gentlemen, I want to point this set of Samaritans, as it were, to you. The Bible said they were unlearned. The Bible said they were uneducated. They do not fit into the club. They do not fit into the clique. As a matter of fact, they do not know protocols. And so, when they came before this council, before this. This, this esteemed men, they started to look at them and they marveled at what God was able to do from ordinary and, and as it were people that you can say were good for nothing. God was able to turn their life that even those ones that hated them marveled when they looked at their lives. They marveled at what God could do, how God could do things and how God can use ordinary vessels to work a miracle that cannot be denied. See, friends, if you are in that particular class go to Jesus. The Bible said they looked at this man and they said they marveled and they took notice of one thing that this man have been with Jesus. Ladies and gentlemen, I know a man that can change the narrative of your life. His name is called Jesus. I know the man that can change the story of your life. His name is called Jesus. You go to him, go and sit with him. I tell you, he will change the stories of your life. See, brothers, there was a man, the Bible called, the Bible called him Pains. His name was Pains. Everywhere he was going it was causing pains everybody that saw him ran away from him because if you associate with him you associate with pain ladies and gentlemen this man did not go to any man this man did not go to any woman this man went to god and he said oh god if thou only would change my story that i would not cause pains again and the bible told us that god changed that story so i've come to tell you maybe you fall into that class and nobody wants to associate with you there is a man that can change your story Praise the Lord. Now, for me, today's message is going to be based on what God wants from a man. You know when Pastor Biola got to John 4 verse number 7. Jesus asked that particular woman, give me a drink. Ha, give me a drink. Brothers and sisters, I want to declare to us. That if there's anything that, any truth that must not be lost on you, I want you to understand that you are not, the master is not here for you. You are the one that is rather here for the master. Do you understand? You're the one that is created for him. You're created to serve his purpose. To, so you're created to do his bidding. It is not the other way around. And because it is very pathetic that this reality has been lost on men. And so men run on a tangent. And at the end of our lives, you'll find that, that when you look at your entire life. I look at my entire life. You would not find any place where you have any what before God. Because you have lived all your life forgetting that it is all for him. And not for you. Let's go to the scriptures. Man and everything is created for God. Romans chapter number eleven, verse thirteen. Romans eleven thirty-six. Please give me the scripture. Romans 11, 36. 36. Let us read together. For of him, and through him, and to him are all things. To whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. First Corinthians 8 verse number 6. First Corinthians 8 verse number 6. Let us establish the truth. Let you so that you will know your life. I will know my life. You will know the significance of a life. A life that is adding value to God and a life that is not adding any value to God. He says, yet for us, there is one God, the Father of whom are all things and we for him, and one Lord Jesus Christ, to whom are all things and through whom we live. Colossians 1 verse number 16. All of these scriptures will tell you something very clearly, that the reason why humanity is existing is for him. And that any anybody that lives upon the face of the earth and his life is not tailored according to this scripture, that person is missing the mark. For by him, all things were created. That are in heaven. And that are on earth. Visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominion. Or principalities or powers. All things were created through him. And all things are created for who? For him. Praise the Lord. And so, a man must understand. And it's clear in the scripture. That we are actually here for him. And it's not the other way around. That the reason why. You are here, God is not for God to give you things. The Bible tells you that in all things, he wants you to grow up into him. Ephesians. That in all things will grow up into him. Jesus has come, not to just give you your desires, but to change that desires to align with the desires of God for you. And so it's one truth that has been lost on a generation and a generation decides to live the way they like. That once what, the, what drives a man is the desires that comes from the man's heart, there is no way that that man will live in, in, in accordance to the nature of God. And so the first thing that God will want every man to understand is that God created you first and foremost for himself. And so Jesus asked this woman, give me drink in John 7, in John 4 verse number 7. Now let's look at what Paul tells us about, because we need to understand what this water is actually about. This water that God is asking you, asking me to give him. Let's look at the Bible, let's look at where Paul started talking about this same drink. Let's go to 2 Timothy verse number 4. And verse 6. You see something that this man of God was able to show us about water and God asking us for drink. He said for I am already being poured out as a drink offering. And the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Finally... There is laid for me a crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous God, will give to us on that day. And not to only, but also to all who have loved this appearing, Brothers and sisters, ladies and gentlemen, the water that Paul poured out unto the Lord, which Jesus is asking, he asked for that water yesterday. He's asking for that water today, and he's still asking for that water tomorrow. That water is called the outpouring of a life. It's the outpouring of a life. It's a life that understands that the only reason why I'm here is for him. And so this man lives every day pouring out a portion of his being before his master. Every day his life becomes a sacrifice. And that's the same reason why he will write to you in Romans 12 verse number 1. That you will become a living sacrifice. Now, the only thing that is acceptable to God is that particular sacrifice. Is that pouring out of that water. That's what Jesus Christ is asking. He's asking that, would you give me drink today? Would you pour out your life? And that's why, why I was saying, you see, if you do not understand this, you will treat people anyhow. Even those people that God brings to you that you're supposed to minister to, you will treat them anyhow because you don't understand that God is the one. That is in, that desires a pouring from your life. Praise the Lord. Now, but if a man understands that, the man will live differently. The man will see everything differently because he understands that everything that God brings to him is not for him, is for God. The reason why it's difficult for a man to give, even to his fellow man and even to God, is because he doesn't understand that God is asking for a drink. And that drink means that everything that ever comes to me does not belong to me, it belongs to him. So he doesn't struggle with giving God that which belongs to him. Because he understands that his life and his being is a drink offering that ought to be poured out to God. The man is not attached to anything. We are so attached to things that things have become God's unto us. And so he, saw, he told, give me drink. And Paul begins to tell us that that drink is your life. You know, the Bible is so beautiful. Peter started telling us something in First in, in Peter chapter number 2. He said, Jesus himself is the cornerstone. He said, but we ourselves, we are being built up as living stones that we will do something. We will offer to him a spiritual sacrifice through Jesus Christ that is acceptable to God. Every child of God that is not offering a spiritual sacrifice acceptable to God is not, forget it, you're doing nothing. And the only way, is pure religion, sir. It's pure religion. And the only way that you can offer that spiritual sacrifice is first of all becoming a living sacrifice. See, friends, let me tell you something. We need to understand that the essence of these things that... That why God saved you and why God saved me is too big that until a man comes to the point where he allows God, where he gives up himself. You see, God. the Bible talks about God desiring to show to principalities and powers the manifold wisdom of God. The manifold wisdom of God cannot be shown in a man that is living for himself. No, 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 no. The manifold wisdom of God can only be displayed through living sacrifices. Oh my God, you don't understand. The Bible said, Isaiah 53, and this man, heaven is about to wire the earth, something the earth never knows. And so they took this man. The Bible said, like a sheep that was led to the slaughter. He didn't say anything. They were leading him. They didn't know that heaven was about to wire the earth, something the earth have never seen before. And they took him like a sheep before the sheriff. He didn't open his mouth. And they went there and they crucified him. Ladies and gentlemen, when you come to New Testament, the Bible said if the princes, some versions say if the rulers of this world had known, they would never have crucified the Lord of glory. Meaning that because he was a living sacrifice, the wisdom of God that was going to be shown to humanity could happen. Now, if he was like you and myself, we would complain, we would rant, we would talk. But you see, when God is about to show the earth something the earth has never seen, he begins to hover and he would only find living sacrifices to express himself through. Oh, you remember John? The Bible said in Revelation chapter number number one. He said, "I, John, your brother, I was in the island of Patmos for the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ." Brothers and sisters, when they were putting John in the island of Patmos, they were thinking they were isolating him. They wanted him to pine away and die in the island of Patmos. When they were putting John in the island of Patmos, they said, "You have spoken so much; we can't shut you. We are putting you in a place where we will shut." permanently when they were putting him they were thinking to afflict pains they were thinking that they want john to lose his mind but ladies and gentlemen they made a mistake because john was a living sacrifice and so the moment john hit the islands of patmos ladies and gentlemen comes the revelation this is the revelation of jesus christ with his soul to his son john on the island of patmos the word of god and the testimony of jesus christ can only come true living sacrifices when a man comes to the place where he has said lord this life I've poured it out to you no pains no pleasure can take me from you I've poured it out for you you will begin to see the wisdom of God come through you praise the lord and he said give me drink so the first thing that i want you to know that god needs from you is that god needs your entire life he needs you to pour out your life to him he needs you to come to the to the altar and say father lord never before all this while i've lived lord pursuing my purpose pursuing my desire pursuing project after project and pursuing things i've never had time to say lord i come to the altar and i lay myself to you but father today i lay it down for you and you will see god do some things that you see i remember two things that happened to me when i came to do one was when i came to do it and the other was when i came to do youth service i came to lagos in june in fact that was how i came to latarian in the first place i came to lagos in june 1999 1999 i won't forget and when i got to lagos i came to look for an it place ladies and gentlemen i didn't find an it place june passed, july july august september october i was supposed to go back to school by december and by december there was no place of it and if you know that means automatic carryover extra session and here comes december and i was in me there was so much there was so much pains because i mean i don't want to go through an extra session and so here was the bargain. i had a friend that was serving in guinness and so she said, you, you know something, I said, I will bring you into our lab and you don't see what we're doing. Then you will write your report. My supervisor will sign for you. And when we go back to school, you will say you served in Guinness. And now, so that was the conversation. And so when I got home, now this thing was troubling my heart because I know that indeed and in truth, I can't say I served in Guinness. And so that conversation and that thing was there until... You know, I just said something to God one day. He said, Lord, I will do an extra year. No problem, I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to say I did what I did not do. My faith is more precious to me. If this is going to cost me an extra year, Father, I will do an extra year. I made up my mind. Now, God was waiting for something. God was waiting for a time when a man would say, Lord, I prefer you than everything. I choose you than everything. Lord, even if it's going to cost me a setback, I choose the setback and I choose you. And the moment that I did that in that particular December, I was at home. I was at home on the place, the place I was staying had like, you know, like a place where people can hang up, hang up upstairs or come uncompleted building. So I was there that evening, just relaxing. Here comes God's spirit. He said, go to Kanko Milk. Milk was a place where I've gone before and they told me that there is no space. And that morning at the voice of the Lord, I went to Kanko Milk and by the time I got to Kanko Milk, they said, where have you been? We have been looking for you. Start now. I started IT. Yeah, I didn't go back. And I did that IT for only six weeks. What people did for six months, I did it for six weeks. But guess what? By the time it was defense, I came out with A. Because you see, on the day of defense, God wired me something that i would never seen before. That they will ask a question. I would not know where the answer will come from. And by the time the answer will be coming to, I'll be as though I am looking at a book and I'm talking. Now, that is God that I've pledged to and said, Lord, I am doing an extra year. And when I got to that point, God God was able to show himself. The second experience, I came to Lagos, and when I came to do youth service, February, and I've looked everywhere. No place for youth service. You go to this place, they reject you. They go to, you go to that place, they reject you. It's like everything is rejecting you, and you don't even know who to turn to. Ah! And so this particular time, the same thing, I got to that particular point. I said, Lord, let's have a deal. I'm not looking for IT place. I'm not looking for a game. I will do my IT in NCCF, as it were. I will be serving you in NCCF. When I finish, I will take that as my IT. Brothers and sisters, let me tell you what the Lord did. And so, one day, we were about to go and organize a program for the outgoing people. So, we went to a particular place. We used to keep our, our equipment in Unilak Chapel. We carried all our equipment that day. As we are carrying the equipment to go for the program, here comes the chapel of Unilag. His name was Reverend Azu. He comes and he tells my director of transport, I don't know, Shell needs some people. So tell your, your papa, we used to call our president papa, tell him that some people should go to Shell. They need some IT students. I told this guy, I said, oh boy, you know, sir, I don't get any place. He said, yeah, now, so you, you just go try. And that morning, I went to Shell And we sat, we sat for the interview. After I finished the interview, we left. Brothers and sisters. Now I'm telling you this because it is something that is real. The day that they asked me to come and start in Shell, I was sleeping in my house. Are you understanding? My brother Emeka, for those of us that know him, we have just we were praying because in the morning we just do normal worship and all of that. We were still doing worship when I saw tears knock at the door. And I said to you, S- how you did as, as as Bible will say, Comment, comment, come, in, come, in, come, in, come in down peacefully. He said, Mike, they say make you can't start today, today. And that was how I went. I served in Shell. No other person from that fellowship served in Shell. But I served in Shell because I said, Lord, see, I'm going to serve you. I am not bothered about IT place again. I'm coming to this place to pour myself to you. And I'm going to serve you there. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm telling us this because you do not understand that God is looking for living sacrifices. That the things that you're looking for, they are tied to you looking for God. They are tied to you pouring out your life to God. They are tied to you You saying, "Lord, take it all." The second thing that I want you to understand that God has a need of is that God has a need of fellowship. God has a need of fellowship with man. If you read Psalm number Psalm eight, read five, he said, "What is man that thou art mindful of him?" And he said, the Elohim. He said, you have made him a little lower than the Elohim himself. Why would God create you and give you such capacity? God created man and put such capacity in man so that he can have a being to fellowship with. If you read Genesis, the Bible said in the cool of the evening, God will come to have fellowship with Adam. Now, friends, I want to tell you something. Relationship without fellowship is useless. Do you understand that? Now, as I say, so if you have god and and you have been saved by jesus christ your relationship with the master has as it were been reestablished. if there is no fellowship that thing is useless for those of us that are married can you ever imagine that you're married to a man or you're married to a woman and you're, day by day you're not talking and here we are life has so happened to us that there is no place for fellowship with the master and now every morning we wake up and, and Lagos and everything around life has taken our lives. There is no time for fellowship between you and your maker. And that is why we are the way we are. Because you do not understand that great things are bad in the place of fellowship. You do not understand that fellowship is the place of revelation. You do not understand. I do not understand. Now, see, let me tell you something. Go and look at the mighty men that you can ever see. Mighty men of God, if you like. Written in the Bible, seen upon the face of the earth. The thing that makes them mighty is the place of fellowship. The thing that makes them great is the place of fellowship. Where a man comes perpetually and sits with God. And he's coming to God. He's not coming to God because he's coming to ask God for anything. He's coming to God because he knows that God is the one that loves him. And he loves God. And so he comes to that particular place and he's just coming to chill out with God. He's just coming to say, Daddy, how are you doing today that you know I, the, the day cannot go without me sitting with you to tell you how my day went and he's there talking with God you see we talk about sp- the infrastructure in the spirit let me tell you the truth let me tell you the truth a man that wants to hear God maybe somebody calls you and say I want to know the will of God tell me how to know the will of God brothers and sisters don't tell the person to go and do anything Telling the person to go and do anything is like asking a primary one pupil, giving him a secondary school assignment to go and solve. The person cannot decode it. Tell the person to go and build a relationship with God. The moment that fellowship with God is established, the person will begin to hear the voice of God. He doesn't need anything. He will wake up. He will know what God is saying. He will know the direction God is going because there is a place of fellowship and God reveals his heart, his mind in the place of fellowship. That is why the people that are found in the place of fellowship, they're always doing the will of God because in that place, they know the mind of God. And so when they wake up, like Elder Heidi was saying, when they they are not coming to beat about the bush. They know what the Lord is saying. Listen to me. Sometimes pastor will come. He will tell you thus says the Lord. And when God says that his life is established upon that particular word. There is a place of fellowship that everything that consigns a man is revealed. God needs fellowship. Why he needs fellowship is because without fellowship the relationship is useless. He can't speak to you. If he speaks, you can't hear. You can't speak with him. So how is he going to use you to execute the assignments upon the face of the earth? Tell me how. Go and ask husbands and wife. The day communication breaks down in a home, that relationship is gone. So why would you think our own with our Lord and Savior will be different? Everything is important to you, but that particular thing is not important to you. You can, you can, you can, you can wake up four o'clock to go to work. You can, you can stay till twelve o'clock to come back from work. And you are doing all of that. But it is difficult. It is practically impossible for God to engage you for ten minutes. Let me tell you something, brothers. The things that are happening to us, they are deliberate. Deliberately orchestrated by darkness. Because darkness understands that the day a man sits with God, his power is finished. Darkness understands that the day I find a man that can stand before God, there's nobody that can stop that man. The day I find one that can stand with God, the purpose of God and the counsel of God will be established upon the face of the earth. And so the program is this: yes, they are born again, so leave them with their born again, but make sure they don't have fellowship with God. My father, help us. Ah. See friends, you do not understand something. Because if you understand something, you understand the greatness of God. And the greatness of God will make you understand that that thing that you call five, you wake up four o'clock in the morning and you go eleven o'clock. The day you come back and you say, Lord, you know something today? I am I am dying. I have no time for you. I am dying. My life is panning away. I'm useless. I am dying. I wake up in the morning, Lord. I'm just running about. And if you ask me, daughter, what have you to show for it? I don't have anything to show for it. And you come back to him and say, Lord, please you're my priority help me you will understand that there is a God that created the earth the bible says everything upon the face of the earth belongs to him so you will understand that it is possible for God to take care of a man and meet the needs of a man without a man running helter skelter the devil has happened to us but we don't know God needs fellowship you know, eh, there's an interesting scripture I want us to see. Let's look at Luke chapter number 10. Let's look at Luke chapter number 10, 38. Praise the Lord. Ah, let's 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 read that scripture. I don't just want to quote it. It said, Now it happened as they went that they entered a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into their house. And she had a sister called Mary, who also sat at the feet of Jesus Christ and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to come and help. And Jesus answered and said to her, Marta, Marta, you are worried and troubled about many things. But one thing is needed. And Mary has chosen that good path. No one can take this away from Mary. Mary has discovered a place of fellowship. No one can take it away from Mary. That is why Mary was able to break the alabaster boss. They poured out her life. They said this lady you have wasted your life. And she said thank you for wasting my life. But in the place of fellowship I have discovered that the only way out is to waste my life. And so she poured it out. And Mary was the one that was able to connect. That when Jesus comes again they are not going to anoint him so she anointed jesus before the resurrection where did she get that in the place of fellowship that when you get to the place of fellowship there are deep things about god that you'll begin to know that no man will know why won't you create time for him one thing is needful why are we running everywhere and we don't have time for him one thing is needful i mean it's so bad Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. See, friends, in the place of fellowship, what happens to you is that the nature of God begins to rub off on you. You understand? The essence of God, the glory of God, the beauty of God begins to rub off on you. He begins to change you from humanity to divinity. And so you are like him. Why? Because the Bible said as we behold him with with unveiled faces in the mirror, we are being transformed from glory to glory into that same thing that we are seeing. As by God's spirit in the place of fellowship, there is that intercourse that changes man to become like God. And that's what the devil does not want, and you don't know it, and I don't know it. How do you think that this thing happened? Ah, the models are there for us. I am Gabriel, the one that stands in the presence of God. Oh, I read that all. I stand in the place of fellowship. I hear the mind of God Jesus says to you look at the first Adam God will come in the evening to speak with him look at the the last Adam the Bible said Jesus will often withdraw to himself to a quiet place and he would stay there all night so why do you think that you'll be different we have upon the face of the earth two men you have the first man the first Adam you have the other one Showing you this is the standard of God and both of them in all of them fellowship was an integral part of their life and so why see the four all of Adam started when Adam went away from the place of fellowship. Adam where are thou? And so God is asking you today where are thou? So fellowship. God's purpose, God's plans is revealed. Praise the Lord. I want to touch one thing before for the sake of time. I want to touch something because for God is also critical. There's about five things that I wrote that God needs from us. But I will just narrow it down to three. And and that will just be fine. Because I've been able to make you understand that God wants you. That's the drink he wants. And I've told you that God is looking for you in the place of fellowship. I want to tell you something. The Bible tells us something in the book of Malachi. The Bible said he wants you to give him. To raise for him. Holy offspring. It is there. If you read the book of Malachi. Chapter number 2. I think that's 15 minutes, I'm not mistaken. God says he wants godly offspring. Ladies and gentlemen, I want you to understand that God has not said give me doctor. God has not said, give me engineer. God has not said raise for me a lawyer. God has not said raise for me a president. What God says to you is that, I want godly offspring. And so, if the engineer that you're raising is not godly, you have not raised one for God. If the doctor that you're raising is not godly, you've not raised one for God. If the lawyer that you're raising is not godly, you have not raised anything for God. God specifically asks us for one thing. Raise me godly offspring. And let me tell you something. Offsprings are seeds. And when God gives man a seed, there is something between a seed. Now, you need a seed carries a nature. And now, but for that nature to blossom, you need to nurture that seed. Praise the Lord. Now, if you don't nurture the seed, even though the nature is there, it won't blossom. Now, you need to understand something. That you see... Nobody teaches the dog to bark. Nobody teaches the lion to row. Nobody teaches the fish to swim. Now the fish swims because in the nature of the fish there is swimming. The dog barks because in the nature of the dog, the dog bark. And lions will row because in the nature of lions, lions will row. Ladies and gentlemen, if the seed of Christ is in a child, you don't teach the child righteousness, the child will be righteous. If the seed of holiness is in that child, that child will be holy. If the seed of me in that child, that child will be meek. All God needs from me and from me is to nurture that seed. We don't understand that the Adamic nature can never leave the purpose of God. Never. And that's why the program of God is to change from that nature into Christ-like nature. Because it's the Christ-like nature that can leave the purpose of God. Praise the Lord. And so now, it's just like a program. Sometimes you want to load a program they will tell you that the present operating system that you have cannot support this program. So you need to upgrade. Now, in like manner... When it comes to doing the will and the purpose of God, the Adamic nature cannot support it. So you need to upgrade to Christ's nature. It's the Christ nature that can run the program of God upon the face of the earth. And so when God sows a seed in the life of a child or or comes to you, God expects you to nurture the seed of God in a child so that the child will grow to become exactly the purpose of God upon the face of the earth. Praise the Lord. Now, I'm saying this because you must understand that... It takes two things that I've seen to help a man nurture a seed. One of it is that you must concentrate on the seed. The other thing is that you must concentrate. Now, the first one, concentration, is that you're looking at the seed. You're guiding the seed, you're not going to sleep. The Bible said the sower went to sow seed, and he went to sleep, and the enemy came to sow text. No, for those that nurture until it happens, they are watching that side. You cannot marry anybody, oh, whether you like it or not, because I am watching. You cannot go to any school, oh, I am watching. You cannot wear any dress, oh I am watching. You cannot go to that place, oh, I am watching. I am watching the seed because the seed must rise to become what God wants the side to be. Do you understand? You cannot keep that relationship. I am watching. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Now, because if you are not watching, the, the enemy will come to so touch. You don't understand. Revelation tells us, Revelation chapter number 12, the moment that the, the male child was born, the Bible said the dragon came after that child. So you don't understand that your children, that things are coming after them. And you know, let me tell you the very sad one. Of course, because you don't sit in the place of fellowship, you don't understand. And so myself and yourself are the ones that will take these children by our hands. And will take them will hand them to the devil. You call it, you want them to go to a school where they have social capital. Where they meet the who and who. We are the one who becomes their children, becomes their friend. But you have not asked yourself, what is this child becoming? You know, pastor told us, be careful what you're becoming. Now we've forgotten that you take a child to a particular environment and you kill everything about God in that child and that child becomes a devil. You see, when he comes and she comes to your house, she will be pretending like the holy child. You have sent her to Babylon and she's carrying the spirit of Babylon because you do not know that the seed that God has given to you, you watch it, you guide it jealously see some things will come to your mind first see friends i have told you doctor must not come to your mind first lawyer must not come but godly offspring is the first assignment and it must come to your mind i said the first thing is that you need to concentrate the other one you need to concentrate now the other one is what you do externally this one you do it internally now why are you doing it internally i am watching myself because the child is watching me it's not about what I teach this child. It's about also what I do, and so I can preach all I like. But the child is watching me, and therefore I, 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 I will settle with my wife. I will not quarrel because that child is watching me. I will not batter. I will not beat her because that child is watching me. And I'm raising a godly offspring. I'm guiding my life. I'm looking at my life because I'm raising a child for God. I can't afford to fumble, and so I'm watching my life. I'm consecrated. I'm set apart because I want this child too to be consecrated. John 17, Jesus said that I have, I have sanctified myself because of them. To raise a child, you must consecrate yourself. You must, you must decide the things that you will not do, not for your sake, just for their sake. You are watching. Friends, listen to me. The Bible said, and when Samuel was born, God, the mother told Eli, he said, you know what? This one is going to serve you not yet. But allow me, let me win this child. Now bring it to the Lord. Parents, I want you to understand that part of the responsibility in nurturing is to win, is to win the word out of the child. Is to win the word out of the child. Is to bring the child to the place where the taste board of the child is changed into the heavenly desires. Candy spoil our taste board. When a child eats too much candy, when you give him real food, he will reject it. Are we together here? And so what God wants is that like uh, Samuel, like, uh, like, like Hannah will take Samuel and begin to nurture. Hey! And begin to wane and be saying, you know, my darling, you can't do this. My darling, you can't do that. And begin to show the child a particular life that is different from every life outside. You know, creating another paradigm for that child. Creating a love for the father that the child sees in you. As you begin to live those things, you win the world from the child. So much so that when the child gets into the world, the world cannot have effect on that child. Ladies and gentlemen, I've seen another evil upon the face of the earth. And I'll tell you what the evil is. You will see a mother, you will see a father that has a child. In that child you know nothing is in that child. There is no substance. Christ is not forming that child. And you take that innocent child and go and put that child in a boarding school. You are evil. No, no, brethren let's, let's tell ourselves the whole truth. Now, because my own consign is God, and 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 we're looking at how God will raise godly offspring. How can you take a child that does not know left from right, that cannot say yes to evil and right? You can't tell a child. You take that child and you go and put the child in a public school, and you come. You put the child in a place where the child has no defense. A a, a, a seven years old boy or a seven years old girl that has not grown with any virtue or anything is in a public school. The child comes back now. He's a she's a lesbian. He's a Homosexual, because mom, dad were not there. You take God's child and dump in a particular place. What are you telling me? Praise the Lord! Praise the Lord! It's an evil. Your thought, first of all, is God and not you. And so, you take God first and raise for God a godly offspring, watching at your life making sure that nothing goes wrong between you. You see, when you fellowship with God, God changes you. The problems you have with your wife, your spouse, that the children are looking at, you'll find out that by the time God begins to change you, you you're quarreling less with your wife. There is no more quarrel. God has changed you. God would not go to change your wife. God will come to change you. Now, because you have come to the place of fellowship, you're seeing God. God is touching you. Those issues are no issues again. And so in your home, all of a sudden, you that used to frown every time, now you're smiling because something about God is coming to you. And the children are looking at you and they're saying, Daddy has changed. And Daddy is saying, yes, I'm showing you a life that a man should live. Now, because you have come to the place of fellowship, the relationship between you and your wife is the way it's supposed to be you are nurturing what god has given to you and at the end of the day you raise a holy offspring for god and god looks at you god is satisfied god looks at me god is satisfied god looks at our children god is satisfied you see one of the things i always tell myself is uh, i tell myself mike the greatest thing that can happen to me is the day that i'll be closing my eyes in death and heaven is smiling and God is saying, son, come home, you've done well. It's the greatest thing that can happen to me. You've raised for me holy offspring. You've raised for me children that are bringing me joy. Brothers and sisters, there is a need that God has from man. And I've just told you about three. There are more. But let's stop there today. Let's rise to our feet. Let's lift our hands to God and ask for help. Father, help us. Help us to pour out our life to you. Grant us understanding that we will understand that the reason why we are here is you. Help us, Lord God, to know that we cannot do anything outside of fellowship. That true worship can only come in the place of fellowship. Oh God, help us, Lord Jehovah. That we will sit and say no more. I've been distracted for too long. I have pursued vanity for too long. When will I have time with the master? Is it when I'm dead? Lord, I pray help us that we will set our priorities right. Father, help us to raise holy offsprings for you. Knowing that Father, Lord Jesus, without Lord God this, we have not done anything. Lord, help hear our cry. Bring our children back. The ones that already have gone astray, bring them back. We cry to you, Lord. Help, Lord Jesus. Send help, Father. Send help. Show us, Lord God, the blueprint of heaven. Show us the patterns of heaven, O oh God. That men would understand that we would download from heaven, oh God. Father, the patterns, Lord Jehovah, the blueprint. That Lord God, heaven's desire will become our desire. That heaven's need will become our need, oh God. That Father will no longer live for us, but will live for Jehovah. That will live for the Lord, oh God. Father, this is our cry to you.
0: so much for listening we have to end it here today but it's been a real joy to come into your homes to unveil the truth of god's word
1: i pray that the word of god you have received will sink deeply into your hearts and bring forth tangible fruits in
0: jesus name amen in addition i pray that the truth you've embraced will not only set you free but it will empower you to impact your environment positively as God's representative in your sphere of influence.
1: Till we'll meet again on this platform, remain sandwiched between the peace of God
0: and the God of peace. God bless you richly. Bye Bye for for now. now.